Michael Shannon writes, when I was in grade school, my friend, also named Michael, and I got sent to the principal's office. We were ushered into his office. He asked our names. We told him. He told me to grab a book off his shelf called the Encyclopedia of Names. He told me to look up the name Michael. We'll come back to his story in just a moment. Love this quote by Miguel Cervantes. Maddest of all is to see life as it is and not as it should be. We've talked before one of the definitions of leadership and self-leadership. See things as they are, not worse than they are, and then make them as you see them. We're going to look at a term here today, and you might be surprised where it comes from, and that term is the 11th hour, a statement that simply means before it's too late or at the last moment, and you'll see that the term is used in our culture quite often. We're going to talk about it today because it's the almost end of the year, November, so in a sense, it's the last hour to make a decision or to make things right or to answer that calling that you know is for you and I know is for me in this year 2018. So before we reach the new year here in a few weeks, it is in a sense that 11th hour is time to make that decision for things that maybe needed to be done in this 2018 year before it's too late and the year is gone. So for instance, maybe it's simply giving more gratitude and saying to God, thank you for what you've done since the beginning of this year in my life. Maybe it's taking time to especially make note of answered prayers and some special things that maybe multiple prayers answered that come to mind and maybe have sort of gotten off the radar with all the busyness. A time to also stop and say all the blessings that we have in Christ and we receive on a daily basis. Maybe it's the spiritual growth and you can look at two or three key ideas that you have learned this year and put in practice into your life and say, thank you, God, for teaching me to be more like Christ. Or perhaps it's a personal goal, whether it's pursuing a, a personal dream or maybe it's the desire for a healthier relationship or whatever it is. And perhaps to say, you know, there are things that I didn't get to, that I plan to get to, I know I was supposed to get to. And here at this 11th hour, before the year is up, you can begin that growth, begin that goal, begin giving thanks, acknowledging those blessings and noticing those answered prayers. A great parable out of Japan. My wife and I lived there for a year, really enjoyed it. And in the parable, there's a samurai warrior He's exhausted after years of fighting. He wants to know specifically, after all the battles he's been in and all the lives he's taken, did those people go to heaven? And is there a way for him to avoid hell? People tell him there's a wise lady that lives over on that mountain. She might have the answer you seek. So he makes the journey, knocks on the door, she asks what he wants, and he shares his question. Did those people go to heaven? Can I avoid hell? And in the parable, she looks at him and she laughs. And she says, you are so weak. Enraged, he pulls out his sword and says, nobody talks to me like that. And she looks at him and she says, that is hell. slowly puts the sword away and tears begin to flow. 
He falls down on his knees. She looks at him and she says, that is heaven. For us, do we have to stop and say, what has been my core in this year? What do I need it to be? What am I called to have as my core? Has it been anger and bitterness? Or has it been forgiveness, love, compassion? Marcus Aurelius in 161 AD said a man's life is what his thoughts make of it. As we've discussed, there's 60,000 thoughts that we have a day. Are those thoughts about self? Or are they thoughts that say, let me decrease and Christ increase? Back to Michael Shannon. The book's definition of Michael was one who is like God. The principal said that's something to live up to, isn't it, boys? His lesson rang in my ears for some time, probably kept me out of trouble. It wasn't until I left his office that day, I saw on his nameplate, his name was Michael too. We have been given the name Christian. That's something to live up to, isn't it? So with that understanding, let's talk about this 11th hour and where that terminology comes from. E.M. Bounds, a minister in the Civil War said, the church is always looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. In this idea of the 11th hour, before it's too late and the year's gone, what do we need to do to become better men, better women, followers of Christ? So the 11th hour, this terminology that means just before it's too late, very popular title. It's used in documentaries about natural disasters. Here's a movie, a hostage situation. Here are several novels written with that used as a title. A popular term. Where did it actually come from? Well, it's actually the words of Jesus found in Matthew 20. Matthew 20 verse 1 says, The kingdom of heaven is like a man that is a householder who went out early in the morning to hire laborers in his vineyard. So, in this context, he goes into the next verse and says, and about the 11th hour, he went out. So the parable is about the kingdom of God. And this labor hirer has this vineyard. He hires people and he goes out each hour. And it ends with, he went out at the 11th hour. We'll talk about the significance of that spiritually, because ultimately it's a picture of God's grace reaching out to us, no matter where he found us. And it was never too late. But in the context also we're looking at, you'll see that the laborers at that 11th hour were called to be then workers in that vineyard. God calls people to then become workers to bring that kingdom of heaven on earth as it is in heaven by sharing that gospel light. Great statement here by Sam Shoemaker works with Alcoholics Anonymous about bringing that light. He says this, The most tremendous thing in the world is men to find that door, the door to God. The most important thing a man can do is take hold of one of those blind, groping hands, put it on the latch, the latch that clicks and opens to a man's own touch. Men die outside that door as starving beggars on a cold night in cruel cities in the dead of winter. 
die for want of what is within their grasp. Nothing else matters compared to helping them find that door, open it, walk in and find him. So I stand by that door. A few days ago, I watched an interview with a a very well-known atheist, and he was revealing one of the key reasons why he didn't believe God exists. And so the interviewer said, well, what is it that you have concluded? What reason have you decided God does not exist? And this man says, you know, my mother died recently. She was 90. And her last few months, she was very ill. And when she died, I thought... How could a loving God allow my mother to suffer like that? And as I listened to this man reveal his core reason for believing God does not exist, quite honestly, I was shocked by the amount of arrogance. The amount of arrogance that would say, my mother lived to 90 and for a few months she was very ill. And the reality is what he was saying, my mother was healthy 99% of her life and 1%, really less than 1%, she was ill, therefore God does not exist. What arrogance we have filled with self to say, God, you must make my life 100% problem free. 99% just doesn't cut it. Tremendous arrogance. Big difference that you find in the vineyard story where the owner goes out and he calls people during each hour and says, come and work in that vineyard. And he finds us even at that late stage of the day, the 11th hour, his grace reaching out to us. And again, we have to decide coming to the end of 2018, this 11th hour, Is it more of me and less of him, or is it less of me and more of him? P.V. Alexander, a minister from India, said this about true wealth and gratitude. If a man has two pairs of shoes, he's a rich man. If a man has two pairs of pants, he's a rich man. If a man has two shirts, he is a rich man. If a man eats two meals a day, he is a rich man. That's why in Matthew chapter 20, we stop and realize the wealth of what we have in Christ. Notice again, the 11th hour, he went out. You'll see the significance here of going out at the 11th hour. But we'll come back to that in a moment. The next verse, verse 7 says, He found others standing idle and saith to them, Why stand ye here all day idle? They say unto him, because no man hath hired us. He saith unto them, go ye also into the vineyard. The best part is he finds us at the 11th hour. The men in the parable waiting that late were not hired because they were not wanted, except by the man in the parable, the landowner, who represents, of course, Christ. And ultimately he says to them, why haven't you been about the work? And they said, nobody hired us. And he says, well, then I'm calling you. Now go into the vineyard. Go and be about your calling. Go and be about the business for which you are meant to be about. Angela Laurie said this, how is hiding better than completing your goal, purpose, mission, calling? A lot of people hide. And here's the reason why. Why is hiding 
easier than doing what we're called to do because people fear the rejection or they fear what people might say. And what did Jesus say? Do not fear people, rather follow after him and trust in his guiding hand. In fact, Angela Laurie answers that question, how is hiding better? And she says this, hiding is your way of rejecting self in advance so others don't get the opportunity. We get so caught up again in what will people say or what will they think? And Jesus bids us come, follow after him, die to self, enter into that vineyard and be about the work that he's called us to do. So as we come to this moment, this 11th hour, before it's too late, before the year is up, what are some things perhaps that have fallen off the radar you need to stop and give gratitude for. As you look back over these previous months, what are some special prayers that were answered? Do you want to call to mind so that your faith today is encouraged and strengthened? How have you grown since January 1st? Some lessons you've learned spiritually and emotionally and relationally. What blessings fall on a regular basis into your life and into my life that we need to be more aware of. And again, what's a goal, or maybe more than one, you plan to start? Believing the promise that Jesus said He came that we might have life abundant. And maybe it was a personal dream you pursued. Maybe it was a ministry you knew was meant to be in your life. Maybe it was a relationship you wanted to transform and you simply got off track. Come back to this moment. Notice in the parable, the owner went out at the 11th hour bid the men he found at that late moment in the day, go ye also into the vineyard. Max Lucado writes, too little, too late, too good to be true. A beautiful picture of this parable in life. And here's what he wrote. The only thing slower than Ben's walk was his draw. Well, boy, he stretched his words and waited a month between phrases. Looks like it's you and me again. Snowy white hair billowed under his baseball hat, shoulders stooped, face leathered. He looked at the ground a lot when he talked. He had spent seven decades in West Texas. I owe my acquaintance with Ben to my dad, who was convinced school holidays were made for boys to earn money, like it or not, be it Christmas, summer, or Thanksgiving. He'd wake my brother and me before the sun was up and drop us off at a local roustabout to see if we could hire on for the day with a company. Roustabouts began showing up long before the boss did. Didn't make any difference who got there first, though. All that mattered was the strength of your back and the experience under your belt. 
That's where Ben and I came up short. I had the good back, not the experience. Ben had the calloused hands, not the strength. So unless there was an especially big job that justified quantity over quality, Ben and I usually were passed over. Ben said, sure do need the work today, boy. Sure do need the work. Other workers would begin to trickle in. Each one's arrival lessened any chance Ben and I had of going out. After a while, the foreman came in and said, putting in a new line in the south field, going to need eight. Then he would announce his list. Tom, Happy, Jack, come with me. There was a certain honor about being chosen, something special about being singled out, even if it was to dig a ditch. But just as there was an honor with being chosen, there was a certain shame about being left behind again. Ben and I came to be friends. In the oil field, we were common castouts, fellow failures, the too little, too late. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you one too? Sherry is. After three children and 12 years of marriage, her husband found a new wife. Sherry got left behind. Mr. Robinson is three decades with the same company, had him one office from the top. When the executive retired, he knew it was only a matter of time. The board, however, had different ideas. He got picked over. Manuel can tell you it's tough being one in nine children in a fatherless home in the Rio Grande Valley. Over and over, God wants us to get the message. He has a peculiar passion for the forgotten what society puts out, God puts in. What the world writes off, God picks up. That must be why Jesus told the story of the chosen workers. It's the first story of his final week. It's the last story he will tell before entering Jerusalem. The 11th hour, 5 in the afternoon. Tell me, what is a worker still doing in the yard at 5 in the afternoon? The best have long since gone. The mediocre went home at lunch. The last string left at 3. What kind of worker is left at 5 p.m.? Get the point? We were chosen for the same reason the 5 o'clock workers were. You and me, we are the 5 o'clock workers. Why did he pick you? He wanted to. After all, you are his. He made you. He brought you home. No matter how long you'd waited or how much time you'd wasted, you are his, and he has a place for you. The 11th hour, he calls us, picks us, and sends us out into the vineyard, each of us, to fulfill his calling. It's November, but it's not too late. You and I can make a new decision today. We can make a new distinction, a recommitment, or a first-time commitment to say, Yes, Lord, less of me, more of you. Let me begin the path of this calling and not hide anymore. And give gratitude and praise to be picked at that 11th hour. Because that's a story for each of us. As we close the words of Max Lucado. You guys still need some work? Ben jumped down from the barrel and answered for both of us. Yes, sir. Grab your hats and lunches. Get in the truck. We didn't have to be told twice. We jumped in the back of that flatbed, leaned against the cab. As the truck began to rumble, Ben spoke. Though it's been 20 years, I can still see his eyes sparkle. Sure feel good to be chosen, don't it, boy? 
Sure does, Ben. It sure does. The vineyard owner, he went out at the 11th hour, said to them, to us, go ye also into the vineyard. And Christ, it's never too late.